hello everyone. Now, look, I'm gonna be honest. Sometimes whipped cream is good. Trust me, it don't make sense. Just stick with me here. Is it the healthy, healthiest thing in the world? Obviously, it's not. Does it lack pretty much all the substance and and any kind of you know potential real nutritional value? Yeah, absolutely, it does. But sometimes, you know, you want that completely substanceless thing because it tastes good, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, you know? It doesn't always have to be the broccoli and carrot sticks, which, you know, again, maybe there's some people here who absolutely love the taste of broccoli, but, you know, on its own, broccoli doesn't taste that good, you know? It's good for you, obviously, and it is something that's necessary sometimes, and, you know, you can't deny the fact that even people eat broccoli often, there's a lot of health benefits that, but, you know, you don't always want that. You want the good taste. The one requirement is that when I eat whipped cream, it actually tastes good, right? Like if I'm going to eat something that's so lacking in any nutritional value, it needs to taste like the thing I want it to taste like. It needs to have that sugar, right? It needs to taste sweet. Because what's the point of eating this thing if it tastes like broccoli, right? If it has all the downsides of whipped cream and none of the upsides and has all the you know, the taste of broccoli, which is... Ugh. Now, when I look at movies, 90% of superhero movies, and honestly, you know, you could probably say around like 70% of any movie, falls into either the whipped cream or the fruit category, which is a little bit little bit different, right? Where it's, you know, substantive and... But not bland, right? You know, it's kind of a little bit less bland, and but it's also more... Subs, has more substance than whipped cream, Around 8% of, of superhero movies, and, and again, you know, you could probably expand this out to any movie, falls into kind of the carrot and, and broccoli category, you know, where it's like a, doesn't taste good, doesn't, you know, you don't really love it, but it's good, it's good for you, it's healthy, it's, it's a good quality movie, right? And only about 2% of, of superhero movies fall into this weird category, right? And I, and I did do some thinking of like, okay, how, what, what can I use to describe this? And I couldn't find anything in the food category which would work with that kind of metaphor. So there's only, you know, 2% of movies. And again, you could kind of expand this on to the entire set of movies. But 2% of super movies fall in that weird category where they have the nutritional value of whipped cream, but the taste of broccoli. Unfortunately, despite my surprisingly high expectations for this movie, um, this movie being Madame Web, it was probably more in that 2%, which includes things like BVS, Fan Stick, and, and Catwoman, than in, in any of the other categories. Now, like all movies, uh, this one certainly has its redeeming factors. And I again, I'm not going to pretend like those don't exist just because the movie, you know, was unideal in, in, in a lot of ways. And I'll tell you, one of the surprising, if we're being honest, main redeeming factors of this movie... Uh, is the star of the movie Dakota Johnson, who made her name in the Fifty Shades of Grey movies, and you know plays the titular character uh, Cassandra Webb, aka Madame Webb. Although shout out to Sony for not actually saying the words Madame Webb in that movie. They did. They. It's a very, very big. It's very big growth for them. So that that's something which also deserves a round of applause. Now she does. Dakota Johnson does try so so hard to make this movie work. She shows range, which I, I mean, I, I kind of knew she had, but I didn't honestly expect to see it in this. Like, I even even my best expectations were not, you know, I'm going to walk out of this saying, Dakota Johnson was the standout of that movie. Like, there was no world where I thought that was going to be the case. But, 
and and maybe that kind of speaks to the movie itself where if I'm leaving it saying Dakota Johnson with again all due respect to her is the you know the biggest standout of the entire movie maybe you know and and is kind of the best has the best performance in the movie maybe it is something where you kind of scratch it you have to look in the mirror a little bit and say well what does that say about the movie overall right because maybe maybe if there were other elements of this movie which are not so god awful and I say that in the most respectful way possible. Um, you know, maybe, maybe then Dakota Johnson is just one of the many great things about this movie or one of the many good things about this movie. The other good part of this movie was the ending. And, and no, not, not, not the joke that I make time and time again that, you know, it's, the ending was great because it meant the movie was over. Although, maybe that was part of it. It was actually because... And I, there was this, this example I wanted to use, but because this is a kid's show, I can't, I can't do that. Uh, and it's going to get edited out anyway, so what's the point? But I, what I will say is this. It, it's it's kind of like if you're a kid, right? And and your parents are like, okay, you can have this dessert if you if you make your bed, you know, you do your homework, and you clean your room, right? And you eat your dinner. Then your mother or father, whatever, takes out a batch of fresh cinnamon rolls. You know, you can smell the intoxicating smells and... You're you're just you're so motivated by that that you go and you do all those things that you're supposed to do, all your chores that you're supposed to do, right? And you're like, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get that, that I could smell it while I'm doing these chores. I, I I'm you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do it. And then you you finish and you're like, oh my god, finally it's time to eat those cinnamon rolls, which I've just been smelling, right? You know, the cinnamony warm smell. And then your parent says, No, no, you don't get those. Just kidding. I don't want to give them to you, and it kind of just take this, take it away from you. What are you? How are you gonna feel? I mean, you're gonna probably pretty pretty angry that that smell, that warm smell, just you're promised this thing and it was just taken away from you, right? That like you're just gonna feel like you know you're getting, you know, you're getting promised something and you're being taunted by something which you can't possibly, you know, get now because you're told no. And you have the right to be angry about that. And I think this movie and the ending of this movie is really that exact thing where you have this thing which they've been taunting you with and saying, oh, look, and from the, even from the trailers they've been taunting you with, right? This idea of a movie from the very first plot summary of this movie or like the very first like leak kind of plot details or rumored whatever, right, early on, they're teasing you this movie. They're really, really teasing it. And then they don't give it to you at all. They don't give you this movie, which is supposed to be this Terminator-like movie where these these spider people are, you know, these three female spider men or women, I guess in this case, are going to save a baby Peter Parker from, you know, a spider slayer type Terminator character. No, that was what they promised us, and, and we didn't get that. Uh, we got whatever they gave us instead. Now, it just as, um, you know, just as, like, when you look at, like, this movie approaching the Suicide Squad territory, right? And what I mean by Suicide Squad territory is it's kind of getting to the point where it's just going to be it's gonna be one of those fun, ridiculous popcorn flicks, right? Or, or those, like, very, very low, like, low health, but very, very high in taste kind of movies. They're the whipped cream movies. And that's why, and I told you this when I, was, I messaged him after the movie, that I was a very sick person for, for wanting this. But despite everything, I really want a sequel to this movie. 
and I want it badly. And that is why I, you know, am very ashamed that, you know, I, and I, I was, I was talking to someone as I left the movie, actually, um, there's someone else, some other critic person. And I was like, I don't remember his name right now, but I was like, you know, if it really disgusts me so much that I really desperately want to just lie to everyone and tell everyone this was a great movie so that people go watch it, hopefully, and hopefully that it gets a sequel. But, man, because I do, re- like, again, the end of this movie feels like it's, like, the start of, like, some, you know, weird Charlie's Angels type thing, and it's like, oh, this could be really cool, but no. I, I don't think we're going to get a sequel to this, unfortunately, as much as I want one, um, which which really does suck. Now... Let's talk about some of the less ideal parts of the movie because this is this, that was the positive parts. So let's go into the, a little bit more of the negatives because there are negatives. No movie's perfect. This one, especially not perfect. First, let's talk about the dialogue because I, you know, if you've seen, and I'm going to use another movie example here, Fan Four Stick, right? Which is the 2016 Fantastic Four movie. Anyone who knows movies knows it's called Fan Four Stick because the logo has the fan, then there's the number four, and then it's stick. So, you know, or fan, yeah, fan for stick. Now, if you, if you understand from that movie the very, like, the kind of awkward dialogue, that, like, if you've seen that movie, you know the awkward dialogue it has. It, the dialogue's not great. And then they do this thing, right, with one of the most iconic catchphrases in all of, all of, um, uh, all of movie history or, or comic history, I guess. It's clobbering time, which is said by the thing, iconically, right? Things, you know, very fun, energetic character. Now, Fan Forstick turns this into some, you know, something that his brother or family member used to say to him before, you know, beating him up, right? And then he says this when he's about to beat up fat guys. And then you're like, this loses all the fun whimsy that, that existed before, right? And in in very similar and and the logic behind it there was a reason it wasn't a good one but the reason was well you know we we just thought that this made sense from the perspective of trying to make it more realistic because people don't just say these things you know there has to be some deep traumatic meaning behind it which is not true by the way this movie does a very similar thing with the iconic and it's not a catchphrase to be fair it's just an iconic line but the iconic line that with great power comes great responsibility you know the one that is in the very first panel, one of the first panels of the very first Spider-Man comic book, the one, you know, the most iconic line. Yeah, they use it in this movie, and it's not someone telling it to, to Peter Parker, by the way, which Sony does a great job also not saying the, the name Peter Parker, despite all the hints to the character, including a baby Peter Parker. No, no, they change it to, they literally flip it, which literally changes the entire meaning of the of the phrase when, when you accept, when when you have great power, you accept great. When you accept your responsibility, you get power. Basically, is the meaning. I don't remember actually what they the words they use. A very awkward language, but it kind of just basically meant the opposite, which is when you have when you accept your responsibility, you get the power, or you kind of are able to use the power, which you know is the again is literally the opposite of as it was intended by Spider-Man, which is you know. When you have this power, you have to use it responsibly and you have to be responsible, right? Because of the whole... Anyways, I don't even need to explain it, but anyways. The movie ruined that that line and, um, you know, it was not the only line of dialogue, which was obviously, you know... And again, from the dialogue that was m- not mismatched with the mouths of the people saying it, which they did try to cut away from sometimes, but, you know, is still noticeable. Um, that The rest of that dialogue was very, very cringeworthy. 
Um, and so I, you know, again, I can't really blame Sony for that. I mean, I can, but I, you know. The editing of this movie was also not great. And it, it just, it was such, such a mess, you know. It opens with this ambulance scene where Dakota Johnson is, is driving this ambulance, right? And Uncle Ben is in, in the back. Um, and I'll tell you, I don't think I've ever gotten a seizure. I mean, I don't. I know I've gotten a seizure before. I'm. I don't. I don't know what it feels like to get multiple seizures. Um, let me tell you the way that movie was. The beginning of the movie was cut. I honestly thought. I I thought about okay. Can I just step outside for a minute just so that the scene can end? Because the way that they were aggressively cutting, and I understand that there is some filmmaking like intent behind trying to show the urgency but when the rest of the movie looks feels like when even when you look at it beyond that and you look at that kind of in in the context of how the movie was shot like how the whole movie kind of felt it felt so rushed and it didn't feel intentional like if you look at someone like and and Scorsese's done this um a few times right Michael Bay does this although probably in the same degree probably the same degree of um effectiveness that this movie did it but when you don't have a movie that looks like it was, you know, everything was done intentionally, then this kind of crazy cutting just it feels like another lazy thing that they did. And I don't know if it is the fault of the person who edited this movie, but I mean, it was just it was just not uh, not a great experience. And then, you know, there's the mismatched dialogue thing. It was also a very loud movie, which might be a little bit of a nitpick, but. I mean, it felt excessively loud at times, which is, and then also, like, it did that thing. I didn't, didn't, this often happens in movies now where it's like the excessively loud and excessively quiet, and it kind of did that to an extent. Uh, but I guess we can only only pick so much. But, oh, yeah, the other characters who they, do, the other three characters, the three spider people outside of Madame Web, who they, by the way, they, they don't develop at all. Like, they start as these kids and uh, with these same kind of things and the same personalities, they end as the pretty much the exact same kids. There's no, like if there was, uh, if there was ever characters who spent two hours on screen and did, were like the main supporting character and absolutely had no growth at all, it would be these three characters. And also these characters are supposed to be around 16 or 17 years old. They're supposed to be like teenagers. And I'm being very, very generous by saying 16, 17, you can argue they're supposed to be 15, 16, right? Like, and they're played by, a 26-year-old Sydney Sweeney, who, by the way, I just, like, I think it's time we just officially admit this. She cannot play a teenager who's supposed to be, like, 15, 16, even 17 years old. She looks too old for that now. Like, I don't understand why you're trying to do this. Like, you know, she, it, she, she can't play that kind of age. It looks so out of place. The other two actors were actually fine, Celeste O'Connor and... um Isabel Merzad, who, or whatever, I can't say names, um, who's, who are 23 and 25, I think, yeah, respectively, where it's like, okay, you know what, I can still buy them to some extent. You know, they did a decent job making them look younger. Sydney Sweeney, though, and maybe it's because they also made her, they gave her red hair and, and gave her glasses, but she looked even older than, than that. And I honestly, it felt so out of place and, and just so... It just didn't look right. Like, it, it looked almost... Like, when she first appeared, there were actual audible chuckles in the theater because people were, like... Like, she was supposed to act like she was, like, this this young teen, right? Like, 
it, it didn't work. She looked so old. And again, I can't use the examples I want to use because I'm worried about what I'm allowed to say here. But it looked like a parody movie. Um, I'm not going to... Where you're trying to have someone, you know, kind of pretend to be a kid who's obviously older than they're supposed to be. Right? Like, it's just... It doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't work. She can't... She can't do it. it. It's fine. But just... I don't know. And the main villain of this movie, who is some guy who I'm going to just assume because we barely know anything about him outside of like, you know, three seconds of, of, of platitudes of my life was so hard and all this other stuff about how bad my life was and how I now have the opportunity to do something, which is why I'm going to murder some teenage girls. It, it, we don't really actually know why his life was hard. We don't know any of that stuff, but... You know, we're just gonna assume that there he was in that there was some real motivation there, and so just giving giving that massive assumption. I mean, maybe then, you know, maybe she's maybe he's more engaging than Sharon Stone's character in Catwoman. The Sharon Stone was the main villain of Catwoman. She was like the I think the pharmaceutical salesperson or whatever who was selling that cream, which is doing the bad stuff. If I remember that movie correctly. By the way, this movie was set. In, Madam Web is set in two thousand three. Now. Just a general rule of thumb, just because a movie's set in 2003 doesn't mean you have to make it with the technology and make it look and feel like it was made in 2003. Like, you're allowed to have, you know, you're allowed to make it like it was made, you know, after 2010 and still have it set in 2003. Like, to, the difference between 2003 from an aesthetic perspective and, and like, it's not like you're talking about something that was made in, like, the 70s where you're like, okay, you know, you're trying to match tone to the 70s, Okay. You're talking about 2003. Let's calm down. You don't have to, like, you know, use the technology of, like... Because, again, when I watched this, I saw a lot of, like, this made was made and Catwoman was made in 2004. It feels like it was made in that kind of time frame, right? And, again, that's not the point of making a movie in 2003. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the day, I really, really did... Well, I do want a sequel to this still, despite all of these problems, just because I think... I, I feel like I was robbed of the almost greatness of like of like as far as you can get in terms of just like ridiculous over the top craziness. Now I think there are people who do believe this and I'm going to not here obviously but I'm going to I going to do a, a little bit of a rant about why I think movie critics are or quote unquote professional movie critics are a little bit of a problem when talking about a movie like this. But I mean, look, I think a lot of people think we got a movie we didn't get. Because I think there's a lot of people saying that this looks like a movie that we that you know I wanted, but we didn't get that movie. And there was even a quote from Dakota Johnson, who's the main star, who said, "Yeah, you know, after I after I signed on to this movie, there were some massive rewrites to the script. I'll tell you, shows like I feel bad for everyone involved in this movie because I don't think it was fair. I think you get the writer who did Power Rangers, Power Rangers, Gods of Egypt." Power Rangers are Gods of Egypt, and not, not any good Power Rangers, no, no. The 2016 Power Rangers movie. If you've seen that movie, you know, that's the writer who wrote this script. Like, as whatever else you want to say about this movie, and, and you can say everything you want, the core problem with this movie is the fact that Sony did what they do, which is they got the person, I think, I think the same person wrote Morbius as well, who wrote Morbius, wrote Power Rangers, wrote Gods of Egypt, and said... You're going to write our Terminator-esque Spider-Man action thriller spy movie. Time travel movie. Like, that's what happened. So, any way you want to slice it, the issue was who you got to write it has a 
terrible track record of writing coherent stories. And I was telling someone this, and it's like this movie feels like it's the, you know, it, it feels like some weird combination of like, you know, the dialogue and story of the, or sorry, the story of of you know Catwoman, the dialogue of Fantastic Four or twenty sixteen Fantastic Four, and and the performances of 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 like or like the tone, I guess, of Batman versus Superman, right? Like like it's that kind of like eh, not really fun tone with the um with the that kind of awkward dialogue that comes from and character development that comes from Fantastic Four and then the story which feels like again it, it's as as directionless as the Catwoman story. Honestly, the Dakota Johnson literally has a there's more of a presence of a cat in this movie than there is of a spider. Like she has a cat who she feeds or a stray cat. I'll tell you the second the stray cat walked through her window, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that this exact scene was in Halle Berry's Catwoman movie. Like, I'm 90% sure. I mean, I'm 100% sure now, but at the time, I was 90% sure. Um, I was like, there, wait a second. Is, aren't there supposed to be spiders who come in and make her fall out of her window and then gets surrounded by spiders and comes back as Madame Web? Or is that not how it works? And apparently, that wasn't how it worked, but it's okay. Um, anyways, with that being said, thank you all for listening. Make sure you check out the movie because I want it to get a sequel, so please spend your hard-earned dollars going to watch this movie. You may enjoy it. Who knows? I don't know. Just my opinion, you know. Maybe you'll love it. Go uh, follow us on podcast apps. Don't forget to rate, review, and share with your friends. Also, interact with us on social media at comicboys underscore, and let us know what you thought of the movie, you know. You loved it. And if you want to see my, you know, healthy discourse around critics and and a little bit more of my R-rated version of of events with more swearing because i can't do that here then go check out the cb media network youtube channel because that video will be up with a little bit again a little bit more of an of you know using some of the examples i can't use here for kid friendly reasons uh, or just not getting in trouble but yeah anyways thank you all for listening bye